Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 11. Here's Pastor Ryan. So, Father, we thank you this morning again for your mercy, your love, and your grace. You are the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. You made the heavens and the earth. Lord, you made everything, and Lord, you made us. And you created us, Lord, that we might know you, that we might, Lord, walk in your ways, that we might serve you. Lord, in you is life, Lord. In you is light. In you is peace and goodness. You show us, Lord, how to live, and you've given us your word to do so, and your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we are hungry for your word this morning. Our souls are hungry. We pray that you would feed us through your word, that you would open up our understanding, that you would remove any distractions, any pride, any heavy things going on in our lives, that we would just be able to focus right now upon you, upon your word, Teach us and help us to be more like Jesus, Lord. May this study be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. Amen. All right, so as you know, the Apostle Paul is uh, lovingly instructing the church that he planted there in Corinth. Uh, We know that Corinth was just a, a, a city filled with sin, filled with wickedness, perversity, idolatry, uh, all kinds of perversity. And yet the Lord is blessing this church at Corinth. And, and, uh, and it had a lot of wonderful things going for it, but it also had some bad things going for it. And, and so as we study this book, we get to the, some of the good things they're doing and he commends them for that. And then some of the bad things. And so last week we, we got into, uh, the, this section where, Uh, He doesn't commend them. He says, I do not praise you because what they were doing was in their potlucks or they called them agape feast at the time. Uh, They were uh, not really coming with love. They were coming with uh, self-seeking and uh, selfishness, really. They were divided. There was factions among them. And so uh, and, and what was worse about that, it wasn't just a potluck, but they would celebrate communion. They would partake in communion of the Lord. And so uh, it made it even more worse because when we take communion, we focus on the cross. We remember what Jesus did for us. And that should motivate everybody to be right with God, motivate all of us to love God and to love one another. And so he says, I do not praise you for when you come together, it's not for the better, but it's for the worse. God intends every time we get together that it's for our betterment, that we build each other up. And so we're right smack in the middle of that. He says, what in verse 22, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. Because again, in these potlucks or love feasts, there's the line for the food. And the people were actually cutting in line, getting doubles, getting seconds before others even had a a first go at the food. And at the time, there were so many poor people that brothers and sisters were leaving these agape feasts 
hungry. Can you imagine that? And that's why he says it's such a shame that those who don't, who have little, should be eating first. And, and he says, man, some of you guys, you have houses, you have food, you have your own stuff. Like, you know, eat an omelet, in other words, before you come. Have some breakfast or something. And so you, you're able to have some self-control and care about others than yourself. And then others were actually showing up drunk and drinking and, and it just showing no respect. And so he says, I do not praise you. And then he begins to give instructions on how uh, the ordinance of communion, how to do it, and, and that's where we're at now. So he's reiterating the importance of it and what it entails. And so he says in verse 23, he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And so he begins by saying um, that he has received or he had received from the Lord that which he's going to now deliver to them, which is a very beautiful fact about the life of the Apostle Paul. We know that before he came to Christ, his name was Saul. He was a Pharisee. He was one who persecuted the church of Christ and would go even to the point of death. He hated the church of Jesus Christ. He had letters from the elders in Jerusalem, and he went wherever the Christians were meeting, and he would arrest them. And he also held the clothes of those who stoned and killed uh, the martyr Stephen. And so he was a bad dude. He was lost in his sins, a religious zealot, but for the wrong uh, purposes. And then the Lord got a hold of him on the road to uh, Damascus. We know that Jesus met him there. Jesus was already at the right hand of the Father. He already died on the cross, was resurrected uh, on the third day, was alive for 40 days, seen by so many people, and then ascended uh, to the Father's right hand. But yet he appeared to Paul the Apostle. And the Apostle Paul says here that he received it from the Lord. And again, that's, that's important because he's an apostle. And one of the requirements of an apostle is that they see, the, they have seen the risen Lord, right? And we read about that in Acts chapter 1. But he received it from the Lord himself. The apostle, when he received these instructions, it wasn't by the other apostles that were there the night that Jesus was betrayed. He received them from Jesus himself. Jesus trained the apostle Paul. He went to the Arabian desert. The Lord spoke to him, appeared to him, and taught him, which is a very beautiful thing. Paul would say in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, as he recounts his testimony, how he came to know Christ. He says, but make, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul, the one who founded and planted the church at Corinth, had seen the Lord himself, been trained by him. So he says to them, I'm giving to you what I have received from the Lord himself. Those are big words, big words. In a practical way, all of us in here have some level of authority. All of us. Whether you're a father, a husband, 
whether you're a mother or a wife or grandparents, whether you're single, whether you're a youth or you're, 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 there's some younger folks in here. All of us have a level of authority. God has given all of us free choice, which means we have a level of authority. I have the authority to have uh, to choose whatever I'm going to choose to do for this day. I can choose to walk with God. I can choose not to walk with God. That's authority that God has given to everybody. You have responsibility. And so with, with us uh, as a father and as, and as a husband, God has given me the authority to uh, be the spiritual overseer of my family. And with that, all husbands in here, all fathers or single fathers at that, we are the pastors of our home. And as the pastors of our home, we should be able to say like, Paul, I, I'm going to deliver you something that I just received from the Lord. I got a message from God that I've received from the Lord that I'm now going to present to my family. All of us have that responsibility. And if you're single and if you're young, you have the responsibility to read the Bible for yourself and to study so that God can speak to your heart so that you can receive from the Lord and, and just deliver it to yourself. And then you can share it with others. But if you're a mom or a dad or grandparents, you must study the word of God. You must seek the Lord so that you can say, I've received this from God and I'm now going to share it to you. And it's important that we understand this, that this is not just for the Apostle Paul to say. It really is for us. It's the backbone to our faith and our our walk with the Lord. We're only going to be as strong in our faith by the amount of scriptures that we study and meditate on daily. We are told to study, to show ourselves approved. Workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. All of us are called to read the scriptures. In fact, for husbands, you know that we're called to wash our wives with the word of God. In he, in Ephesians chapter five, verse 25 through 27, it says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The word of God is is like soap, and it washes the the soul, the spirit, the mind of, of all of us. And husbands are called to wash their wives with the word. I wonder how many husbands are doing that. In this world and in this spiritual war that we're in, our families can be very vulnerable if we do not seek God and have a word for our family. The Bible refers to the wife as the weaker vessel. Men are called to be men. The head of every man is Christ. I remember when I got married to my wife, my, she went to Bible college. I did not. And my pastor looked at Clarissa and he looked at me and he said, look, kids, 
Clarissa, I know you have the schooling, but he's your husband now. Ryan, you need to study so that you can teach your wife. And Clarissa, you need to submit to his teaching and, and allow him to get you together and to wash you with the word of God. The more my wife and I read the word of God, the stronger our marriage is. The more uh, all of us in this room read the word of God and study and meditate it and not just hear it, not just read it, but do it, the stronger we are going to be as Christians. We're not going to be taken away by every wind of doctrine. There are so many godless and, and perverse opinions about life. How husbands, my brothers, brothers, men, how, how can we protect our mind, our wives' minds from the lies of this world? How can we protect our children's minds from the lies of this world if we do not read the word with our wives? I am so convicted. It's not like every day I read the word to my wife. But if, if I desire my wife to be protected, if I desire my wife's mind to be be just strong in the things of God, then her and I have to sit down and read a psalm, read a proverb, read a lip. Just doesn't have to be a lot, guys, but we just have to sit with them and wash them with the word. It builds up their confidence. It builds up their joy. It, it removes the worry from their lives, the anxiety and the depression and all those things. The word of God washes them. And God wants us husbands to present them to him a chaste and clean church. Does that make sense? It's to be able to say to our wives, you know, it's like, look, look at what the Lord shared with me, honey. Let me read this to you. And as a, and, and every teacher here in children's ministry, every, you know, the, the pastors, the elders, all of us, we should be able, like Paul, to be able to say, I'm delivering you something that I received from the Lord. If a person, if, if, if a believer does not spend time in the Bible, they're not going to have anything to give to others. And you see, that's the problem. If we're not in the word and in prayer and really meditating, there's not going to be a, a, a passion or a zealousness or a joy or a peace. There's just not. It's the only way God has established our lives to be blessed. It's through his word. You can read Psalm 1. You can read the whole Bible. Time and time again, it says, your life will be blessed by my word. You know, how can a young man cleanse his way? How do you keep a young man or a young woman uh, away from the lusts of this world, the pride of life, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh? It's through the word of God. The psalmist said, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word of God gets us straight. And maybe some of us, you know, the only authority we have is ourselves. You know, you know, we, we're it, you know, it's, it's my family is, I don't maybe have of, you may not have family, but the church family is your family and you're by yourself, you're single in an apartment or in a home. You are still responsible to receiving a word from the Lord daily for your life. Because all you need that pertains to life and godliness will be found in the word of God. It will guide you. Like I said on Wednesday night, it's 24 years anniversary for me of being a Christian. Uh, this actual month in August, so the second week. So I got saved on a Wednesday night. So come on Wednesday. You, you might see someone get saved. Wednesday nights are cool. Uh, but 
you know, 24 years, what was it that, that, that has kept me? It's the word of God. Now, you might have problems studying. You may have problems reading. Guys, I, I was no pro. Trust you me. My first Bible was a Gideon Bible. Someone gave to me when I was hung over at a taco stand. And then my friend was visiting from the Navy and he saw it in my, in my room. He says, there's 31 Proverbs. You should read one a day. What's a proverb? And, you know, and so it's like I hadn't read any book, let alone the Bible. And, but even before I was saved, I started reading the Proverbs and it started melting my heart in preparation for getting saved. Then I got saved and like I just kept loving the word. No matter what I'm going through uh, in life, the word of God has always guided me and given me the answers and the solutions to my problems. Jesus said, pray lest you enter into temptation. Man, it's the word of God and prayer that'll keep you away from temptation. We want our kids to live holy lives. We want our wives and our husband. We want, we want to be pure. It, it's not going to happen without the word of God. The word of God reminds us, be holy as I am holy. It just purifies. It, it's, it's such an amazing thing. But all of us are called to study. Christianity is a lifelong education. Okay, at like the calling of God isn't just I feel called, I'm going to seminary, I get a degree, where's my church? It's not. It's a calling from God. And God equips those that He calls. And everyone in this room He has called. So study the Word of God. What we study goes into our hearts, what we don't study does not go into our hearts. And, and, you know, so many Christians, they study everything the news tells them, the media, the social media. You're, we're always, we're always in, you know, taking things in that maybe we shouldn't, obviously. But if we take in his light, his word, then we're going to have something to deliver to others. I receive from the Lord. I'm delivering to you that which I have received. You know, um, it says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6, that the husbandman or the farmer that laboreth, that works the fields, must be first partaker of the fruits. You know, as a farmer who grows his crops, he's got to grab one of those and take a bite out of the fruit, see if it's good. And if it's good, then they can, he can then take it to the market. We have to study and taste the word of God that it's good, and then give it to our spouses, give it to our family members. And it doesn't have to be all that technical. At Calvary Chapel, we believe simply teaching the word simply. You know what I'm saying? We don't try to complicate things. I'm not here to show off. I can't show off. <laughs> I'm very limited, <laughs> as you can tell. But anyways, it's like I tell my six-year-old, give me your Bible. We're going to read your Bible. Forget my, give me your picture Bible. You see this, you know, Jesus looking all, you know, with the crowd. There's a picture of the crowd in Galilee and there's a house and there's boulders underneath the house and the house is propped up on those rocks. And he goes, you know, you know, blessed are those who hear my words and do it. I liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The whole day I just thought about hearing and doing the word and I'm, you know what I mean? It didn't take a lot. Not complicated. So this is what he says to them. I received from the Lord. What did he receive? Here's communion. For I received from the Lord 
that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken uh, for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so, beautiful words, instituting this communion. He took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, he blessed it. This is my body, which is broken for you. The question has to be asked, when was the Lord's body broken? We know that on the cross, when the religious Jews there who had him crucified, it was the preparation day for the Sabbath, right? And so they're preparing uh, things for the Sabbath when no one could work, and and part of the law was there weren't to be any dead bodies around. And so they went to Pilate and they asked that he would have a soldier go to Jesus and the other, the, the, the two criminals and break their legs so that they can die quicker and they can take the bodies off so that they wouldn't quote unquote violate the Shabbat, which is crazy and ridiculous and just shows you how foolish religion is. And so, you know the story. They went to the two criminals and they broke their legs. But when they came to Jesus, our Lord, he was already dead. So there was no need to break his bones. His bones were not broken. And, and, and so they took a spear and they speared his heart where blood and water from the side where blood and water came forth. But them not breaking his bones really... Uh, affirmed the scriptures that had been prophesied about the Messiah in Psalm 34, verse 20, that says, He, God, guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. So none of his bones were broken, but yet he says with the bread as he breaks it and blesses it, this is my body which is broken for you. When was his body broken for us? I believe that it was broken during the scourging process. The cat of nine tails was a vicious whip with bones and metal and weights and glass that were tied to it or glued to it. And they would just, it was a, the, the scourging, the whipping was a tool to gain confession from a prisoner so that they would confess their guilt, so that they would confess what they had done wrong. And so with our Lord being innocent of all sins, he never sinned. He was an unblemished lamb who died for us. Nothing to confess. I believe that the hardened Roman soldiers that whipped him never saw a man reach 39 lashes. Men would tap out long before and, and just start confessing anything, guilty or not. But our Lord had nothing to confess. So he took 39 lashes that would have tore open his back. And that, again, wasn't just meant for confession, but to break a criminal's will. So the Lord took all of that for us. It was so brutal. It was so bad 
that when Pilate brought Jesus before the crowd after that, he said, behold the man. The man. Because Pilate probably had never seen anybody take a beating like that. The pride and the ego of those whipping him that he did not confess. In their minds, they would have thought this is the toughest man we have ever seen in our lives. And he took it all. And he took it all for us. You see how serious communion is. It's serious. In Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.